Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the second sermon in our church's Saved by God series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. My name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. I'm glad you're here. Did you get a donut and you're glad you're here? Some of y'all are glad you're here, even if you didn't get a donut, aren't you? Well, I am too. Well, the season of Lent, which we began on Wednesday night with Ash Wednesday, has its roots in the fasting, the 40 days leading up to the Saturday before Easter, with the goal of spiritual renewal. It has come to be a season of repentance, of denying sin, of even denying ourselves pleasure in order to trust God more fully. And so this series from today through the Sunday before Easter will help guide followers of Jesus to know and receive the saving help from God for this season and for every season. Our series is entitled Saved by God. We'll be guided by this key verse from 2 Corinthians. I think it'll be on your screen. Verse six, or chapter 6 verse 2. For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now today. It's the day of salvation. And so in our series kickoff, today's sermon is entitled, Saved by God to Endure Temptations. To Endure Temptations. Do you know your greatest temptation? Not the greatest temptation, but your greatest temptation. My temptations have shifted over the years from decades ago you're growing up and even as I become a follower of Jesus temptations have changed even as I've become a pastor temptations have changed but temptations don't stop they just are different nowadays one of my biggest temptation is to act out from anger at mouthy sports fans anybody else Right? It's tough. Give you a little example. <laughs> Some of you know my daughter. <laughs> you got one. We got to line up. Everybody's like, well, this is what I did this week. <laughs> no, my daughter, she plays soccer. She's pretty good. And that's a double-edged sword. It's good because you enjoy watching your kids play and be good at something. It's bad because when you're good at stuff, it draws attention from the other team. It draws attention from sometimes the opposing team's fans. Yesterday was one of those days where the opposing team decided to do what's called in soccer man marking, where they have a person that just follows around wherever it goes. And they decided to implement a lot of fouling and a lot of other things. I guess that's okay. My daughter's pretty athletic, pretty strong. She pushed back. As long as nobody's getting hurt, that's just part of the game, right? Take your free kick or your penalty or whatever and keep playing. 
Unfortunately, the opposing fans thought it was only okay for their players to push and shove and stuff. And so uh, they began to be mouthy and call my daughter by her number. Numbers. And even by name, I guess they learned her name. And they began to hurl insults and hurl ideas on how their players could foul harder or even injure. And I was like, ooh, here we go. And it sort of came to that. We're studying the video, but there was a time where it looked like a punch was thrown. But it missed. And it wasn't by us. I admit I was highly tempted to preach to the fans of the other team yesterday and use those words in the Bible you got to really hunt for. It says it in the Bible. <laughs> and use it in ways that the Bible never meant, you know. Anybody ever done that? But I didn't. I withstood the temptation. I mustered some thoughts like, you know, how can I just do good words? Encourage them to just cheer for their team and not against ours and stuff like that. I think the best thought I came up with is, I'm rubber, you're glue. <laughs> Do y'all remember that? Your mean words bounce off me, stick to you. No, we didn't get that far. But we all face different temptations. Maybe temptations to gambling, maybe the temptation to adultery, to gluttony, to racism. Maybe the temptation to worship idols or to act out from our anger and our words or even actions or even some of the big ones like criminal theft or murder. But what if temptation that we face was meant to guide us forward on our journey of faith? What if we face temptation, what we do or don't do was part of what God was doing in us. What we Methodists sometimes call the second half of our salvation. And so we're going to look at that. Look at the scene from life of Jesus and his ministry from the gospel book of Mark. If you got a Bible, I invite you to take that out or turn it on if you got the app on your phone. Mark, we're going to look at chapter 1 in just a minute. A bit about Mark. Mark is what we call a gospel. It's part of the New Testament or from Matthew on in the Bible's order. Mark is a gospel which means good news. And it's called that because it's good news. Because it tells the news of the perfect life, the guiltless death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that's good news because those who repent and believe in Jesus are saved from sin, its eternal consequences from its bondage in this life. And it's good news because we have all sinned and the consequences of sin is eternal separation from God if not covered by Jesus. And so it's good news. It's a gospel. Mark, the book of Mark begins by John the Baptist setting up or being a messenger or preparing the way for the Messiah or God's anointed Savior. And he's doing that by preaching. He's preaching for folks to repent of their sins and be baptized. And there's a following of people like, we're hungry for the Messiah or God's anointed one. 
And then Jesus, as he's raised up and he begins his earthly ministry, <clears throat> he goes to John's church. John had church out in the wilderness. No walls, no nothing. It was just kind of out there. Kind of like second or third or fourth Methodist church, right? And Jesus goes there and they're baptizing people in the Jordan River. Now you look up the place where they baptize people. Bethany beyond the Jordan. It's in some hostile territory now, but you can look that up and you could try to get a, a pathway in there to see where Jesus was baptized. But Jesus goes to John and says, I want you to baptize me. And we pick up the story there in Mark chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 9 and go through verse 15. I'm reading the New Living Translation or NLT if you'd like to follow along word for word. Mark 1, 9. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit des descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and the angels took care of him. Later on, John, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. Verse 15, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. This is the word of God for the people of God and we say, thanks be to God. Well, this passage shares an important foundation for our season of Lent. The 40-day duration that Jesus was in the desert that forms a typical season of spiritual renewal. It's a time span that God has used throughout history or many times in history to reveal himself to people. If you look back in the Old Testament book of Genesis, it rained on Noah the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses met with God on the mountain for 40 days while he received the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus. Even later, after Jesus' death, he spent 40 days between that and his ascension with the disciples to prove to them that he was, in fact, God's son. God can speak to us in a, a moment or in a day or across a lifetime, but be encouraged this season of Lent to engage because somehow God has used 40 days often and he continues to do that as a time frame to transform lives and even histories. Now, while Jesus was being tempted in this 40-day journey in the wilderness, he used the Old Testament scripture to defend against the temptations from Satan himself. He also was guided by God's Holy Spirit to resist that temptation. And at the end of that time, he was ministered to by angels. Verse 13 says it this way, the angels took care of him. 
That term took care in our English version is from the Greek New Testament original version. Term diakonos. Diakonos. Some of you may have heard that in an English term. It's kind of what we call deacons in churches sometimes, right? People that are to care for others. In that original language, it meant to serve food or drink to those who are eating or to serve or wait upon others, according to the Low and Nidia lexicon. You can read more about the details of this 40-day journey in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, and see all the different ways that Jesus was tempted and how he responded to those. But one of the keys is that God provided for him in the spirit direction the spirit engagement where God and Jesus and the spirit were together. And at the end, the angels provided for him and his physical needs. God's grace shows up when you need him. In the midst of your temptation, in the midst of your physical needs. But fasting is a way that helps break our human dependency on the physical. <clears throat> Right, we seem to be very tangible people, right? There are even states they name, name after this, the show me state, like Missouri, or you know, like I only believe it if I can see it, kind of things. We've experienced this from the beginning where we've relied more on physical things than on the spiritual things. You know, I remember the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, where God was speaking to them. They were in perfect community with God in the paradise. And what did they do? They chose the physical temptation of fruit, the true knowledge of good and evil, over all of that. Right? If we look at that story of Moses up on the mountain receiving the commands, the Ten Commandments of God, the people in the absence of Moses, their leader, said, we want something we can touch and feel. We don't know about this God that led us out of captivity in Egypt. We don't know about this God that showed up to Moses. So we want something. We're going to make it ourselves. And so they made a golden calf, a physical thing to worship. So much of our temptation comes from us trying to trust or put our trust in things we can see or explain. Verses or instead of the unseen but almighty creator of the universe, God himself. Well, let's look at this passage in more depth at how we might be saved by God. To experience the life that he intends for us in enduring temptation to those things. If you got your worship bulletin or if you open the online worship guide, there's a place for you to take notes with these points that you might know them and apply them to your life. Number one, endure filled by God's Spirit. Filled by God's Spirit. Mark 110 reads, as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. The heavens split apart and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Now the dove is an animal of peace and in the gospel of Matthew chapter 10, Jesus tells his disciples to go out as sheep among wolves, as shrewd as serpents, but what as innocent as 
doves. In the same implication, God's Holy Spirit works in us with the power and force of God, but not without your free will letting the Spirit. You've probably seen this illustration of somebody trying to decide what to do, right or wrong. And on one shoulder, <laughs> you've seen the, the little dude, you know, whatever they, it's like, ah, you can do that. Ain't nobody going to know about it. It'll be good, you know. Anybody ever felt like that? So there's somebody on your shoulder, it's like, just, just go ahead. And on the other shoulder, force for good, it's like, don't do that. He said, nobody's going to know, but I'll know and you'll know. It seems like in that illustration in our life, the voice on the one shoulder saying, do it. It's like, do it. Right? Like, yes. And the other is like, you better think about that. Right? Like it's almost a whisper. That's sort of what the Spirit filling us is like. It may not be that loud, but it speaks from the voice of power of God Almighty. It speaks from the voice of truth. The Gospel of John chapter 16 promises that God's Spirit will lead us with 100% true guidance. The question is, will you calm the noise of this side where you can hear the quiet voice of God's Spirit. That's part of what the season of Lent is intended to do, is to get rid of something that's the noise so you can hear God's Spirit guiding you. A lot of that noise is in how we spend our time or what we consume or what we listen to. And so if you've not said, hey, this is the thing I'm going to give up or set aside, Look for the things that are creating noise in your life. Maybe it's a person. <laughs> no, you can't get divorced in Lent. <laughs> Never mind. That was a joke, y'all. Some of y'all are like, ooh. Maybe it's a, a activity that you're doing that consumes you. You just put it down. Maybe now, maybe forever. Focus on what God's wanting you to do. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's stuff you watch. Maybe it's the actual sin you're doing. But get rid of the noise where you can hear the quiet voice of God's Spirit to guide you. Endure, filled by God's Spirit. Number two, endure as compelled by the Spirit. Compelled by the Spirit. Verse 12 reads, the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. Sorry. So if the Spirit's like a dove, what does it mean to be compelled? What well, means the, the root word there is balo and it means to lead. To lead out of an area or a building like you'd lead somebody And when Jesus heard the, the quiet voice of the Spirit saying, let's go, Jesus said, that's who I'm following. And so the Spirit led him. I don't know if this is a good analogy, but anybody ever play sports? 
fear y'all. Anybody ever in it like a big musical, like a marching band or a big choir or something like that? Well, you, most of the time, you had a chance to say, I'm going to try out for that or not. Right? And so if you tried out and you made it, you had free will to do that, right? So you're like, hey, I can be a part of this or not. But once you made the team, you sort of surrendered and said, I'm going to do what the coach says or the band director or the drum major says, right? And so whenever you made the team, your negotiation of how hard you practice kind of went away, right? Your negotiation on what plays you ran kind of goes away. You practice how the coach says, you run the play the coach says and even if you're tired or if you're I don't know if I like that play coach I'd rather have one that I get the ball all the time you know whatever the band director picks the songs the drum major leads the band in the parade and so your free will is to be a part of that but if you're going to be a part of it you got to lead where the leadership is directing you have free will to follow Jesus and to be filled by the Spirit. And then let God's Spirit guide you. But once you say yes, you must let the Spirit guide you. Sometimes that will even be into circumstances that are challenging. Right? God may absolutely call you to a less than prosperous future. Have you read the New Testament? You read what the disciples who followed Jesus that said, we don't know anything but that he's risen. And they put him in jail sometimes. They tortured some of them. They even martyred or killed some of them. And so they were absolutely following God's spirit. And it wasn't to a prosperous, prosperous, sorry, place, Right? But whenever you're led by the Spirit, know that you may face temptation along the way. But it may be a key to doing God's will. But make sure it's part of God's Spirit. Some of you are like, oh, oh, I'll volunteer to be, uh, you know, make sure all the, uh, I don't know, whatever, all the gambling casinos get tested out good, right? <laughs> oh, you know, whatever the temptation may be. There's a church pastor I knew of that they decided it's pretty I think they were called courageous church they decided they were going to minister to the girls or females that were part of the sex industry so that's pretty bold right go to the strip clubs or the brothels and show God's love to folks that are engaged in that and I think they wisely said we're going to let the females in our church be a part of ministering in person there because all the guys were like I'll do that <laughs> They said, okay, guys, you're going to minister from afar through prayer and preparation, and we're going to send the girls to do that, right? And so use some wisdom and knowing where God's Spirit's leading you. It may be into temptation, but it may be just you're like, oh, I'll just go do that, <laughs> right? Endure as compelled by God's Spirit. Number three, endure as a witness to others, as a witness to to others. Verse 14 says, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached the good news or God's good news. Upon the completion of his 40 days of temptation in which, <coughs> 
excuse me, Jesus was tempted in every way and yet he did not sin. After the 40 days, he got back on the primary mission that God had for him to preach the good news. This indicates that temptation is not your life purpose. Right? So it may be a season or a moment that you must endure or even God's Spirit would lead you to endure. But it's not the primary purpose. It's a means to an end to refine you or to grow you spiritually that you may spiritually mature and bear spiritual fruit. Your life has a similar trajectory. You'll have seasons where you face temptation, but you're not meant to be a lifetime tempted person, right? That's not the only thing or even the primary thing God has for you. But for a moment or a season, you may endure temptation, but then move on. Move beyond it. Get out of it and on to the purpose for which God has for you. But let that temptation, that's what I think God wants that's what he did here is saying, hey, Jesus is 100% human. Look, he was tempted in every way, and yet he didn't sin by the power of God's Spirit in him. You can do that. And so it's an example and encouragement and normalization of those who follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. You can endure temptation in the same way in your life. Your enduring of temptation can be a witness to other people. How many of you felt encouraged to know you're not the only one tempted? Right? That's good. It's like, whew, I feel like sometimes I'm the only one. I'm sitting here struggling what to do. It feels encouragement to know, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's encouraging to know that Jesus, 100% human in his life on earth, felt temptation. You can look to him as an encouragement. It may even be the specific temptation you face. This encouragement to others that you go through it together. Or be an encourager and empower for them. The key is that God's good news is that you prevail over temptation. But that you also be a part of living through that to tell others of the power God's deliverance God's spirit God's ministry to you that God would do it again in them endure as a witness to others let's pray God thank you so very much for this good news story of the gospel of Mark I thank you so very much for this account of Jesus the details in the other books of Matthew and Luke where we see Jesus was tempted in so many ways and we see the insights as how to endure that temptation. Filled with your Holy Spirit, guided, turning over control spirit, lead me. So that in the end, we can be about the purpose for which you've created us. We can see the kingdom of God expand in us and through us. God, that we'd be a witness to the gospel power to endure through temptation. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 845 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. 
If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.